Okay, tonight class is going to be an introduction. And I want to um, have some input from all of you guys, all everybody in the classroom, to what you think about healing. What do you think that um, you think it means? Um, what you expect from it when you think about healing? The reason that I decided to teach this class was because of conversation that I had with somebody, and. I realized how much searching people are doing, especially in the Noahide community, because you come from a background where there was a certain type of idea of what healing meant, and a certain idea of how to go about it. And so now you come into the Noahide movement, and um, it's like everything's, uh, everything's different. And so first, I want to ask you to just give me your idea of what you think healing really means. What do you think? What is your definition of healing? Okay, you want to take the microphone? I'll let you have the mic. Yes, ma'am. I just, uh, you know, I think... Uh Healing is, is basically restoration. Well, that's right. It is restoration. It is, in a nutshell, what we do to come to redemption. It's our part in redemption. And so all of the things that we're doing in this room, body and soul, that's correct. And our body... It's very interesting. We're going to get into that about how through our physicality we can get hints about things that our soul is trying to say. We can get hints about things that are troubling our soul, whether they are sin, I mean that's the most common, whether it's just something going on in society. Our body can pick up on those things. Right now we're living in a society in which there's a lot of toxins in our atmosphere. There's a lot of things wrong with the society um, socially. And people in our society, by and large, are ill. I mean, we have a lot of illnesses in our time that are basically new, that have never been seen before. We've had a lot of things that have been um, overcome through vaccinations and so on but now we're learning that even vaccines can be harmful with the chemicals that are used in those vaccines as the base chemicals sometimes they use metals that are harmful to our to our bodies and so our bodies tell us it's the way that we can gauge that there's something wrong there's something wrong going on because the body is called and Judaism is called the shoe of the soul. We are spiritual beings living in a physical body. So this body that we inhabit is not who we are. It's just part of who we are. We shouldn't say that the body doesn't matter. That is a very imbalanced viewpoint. The body does matter. And so healing has to take into account the, the pain and the illness of the body. 
So if we say healing is just spiritual, then that's not right. If we say that healing is just physical, that's not right. It's the whole person. In Hebrew, we say shlema, and that means complete healing. And that that's talking about mentally, emotionally, spiritually, for sure that we're talking about the rectification or the tikkun, the repair of our soul. And then the soul is able to send down this light as we get rid of the barriers. The soul can send down this light and ideally we receive our healing physically from our soul. And so a lot of times, a lot of times people have mistaken ideas about why we get sick. And um, in this book, The Wings of the Sun, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov, it's the teachings of Rebbe Nachman of Breslov, and he talks a lot about these issues, why people get sick, what health is, um, the relationship between the body and the soul. And so all of these ideas are going to be the context of this class. And one of the things that is very important for us to be conscious of is that when we study Torah it is part of our healing that healing is not a separate category of Torah study healing is Torah study is all about healing so when you're sitting in this yeshiva when you are taking these classes you're taking the class from um, Rabbi Avenir, and you're taking the class, the class that preceded mine here. You're taking all these classes. It's putting things, taking chaos and making order out of it. That's healing. When we're learning the how to change our perspective to a Torah perspective, that's healing, and it radiates down from our soul into our physicality. We we learn Torah so that our soul can be rectified. And what we're doing is that we're changing the vibrations. I know that sounds new agey, but it's really a truth. There's a vibration to every living thing. There's It's a scientific fact. There's a vibration of um, sound there's vibration of light you know there's the frequency of light there are these frequencies of everything every living thing and even things that aren't living we know that that we don't consider living and so when we eat certain foods when we take in certain things into our body it changes our vibration it changes our vibration. It has an effect on us physically. And so this is this is part of it. But when we learn Torah learning, when we take in Torah learning, it also changes our vibration. And it knocks down barriers in our being that, that prevent the light of our souls coming into our physicality, coming through into our being. And so those, those barriers cause us to be able to be sick. Those barriers cause us problems. 
And if we can get rid of those barriers, then from the very heights of our soul, we're going to be receiving this light. And that is the ideal of healing. That's the ideal method of healing. So, I know that sometimes we'll have a question. I have a question about, for instance, um, Anna Roth's class where she's talking about the calendar. We'll say, well, what does the calendar have to do with healing? Well, very much. Because there are certain times of the year that are opportunities, spiritual opportunities, times of the year when our soul has an appointment from heaven to meet with Hashem in a certain way when there is a certain opportunity for, for an opening to happen to us and so um, Dr. Roth prepared this class that she teaches on Mosei Shabbat it's a very interesting class how she's getting into this teaching about how there are times during the year the cycle of the year that our body also understands this that on a certain level you understand how your body seems to know about the seasons you know when it's spring you know when it's summer you know when it's fall you know when it's winter and your body for one thing if you're eating fruits and vegetables that are in season during those seasons it's a cycle of how you eat and that is a more healthy way of eating and so there's one thing of how we physically follow the seasons of the year well spiritually we have the same thing and we shouldn't think that there's a separation here because we're one being and our souls have this effect on our bodies the shoe of the soul and so when there are certain times of the year come around for instance Shabbat comes and it's an opportunity for us to meet with Hashem in a special way. And so we say that we receive a, an extra soul for Shabbat. An extra measure of being able to enjoy Shabbat in, in a way that we don't enjoy. That we don't have any other day of the week. And so this is, a, this is an opportunity in time for us to meet with Hashem like that. And as we come to each one of the Hagim, that um, one of the things that Anna, uh, Dr. Roth taught in her seminar in May was how each one of these times of the year corresponds to a certain organ in the body. And so there's that opportunity for that organ of the body to get a special attention. When we look at the months of the year, that each one of those months of the Jewish calendar corresponds to a certain limb of the body it's the soul limb of the body and so that's one of the things that we can glean from her class and how we how we learn Torah and how it brings us into this idea of healing from her class and then Rabbi Back's class is talking about um, the body of Adam and there's really and truly not a healing unless we can fix the place that we're supposed to plug into the body of Adam that's the ideal of healing we might receive a physical 
um, change. It's sort of like treating a symptom, but you don't treat the cause. You And you understand what that means. And so if we don't do the full healing of plugging ourselves into the body of Adam and fixing that flaw that keeps us from being rectified in that place in the body of Adam, then we haven't really healed the root cause of what's the matter, the root cause of what's wrong. Because our whole purpose of being in the world is that, that we are rectified, that our place in the body of Adam is rectified. And so that's part of what he's teaching. And then we have Rabbi Avenir's class, where he's teaching about um, Noah, where he's teaching about what it means to be a Noahide from a historical point of view. And this is a very, very important thing because knowing what your place is in the world, knowing why did Hashem create us, create you? He created me in a way, He created each of you in a way, and what is my place in the world? This is a very, very important thing for us to know. And so sometimes, I mean, the Noahide movement is relatively new. And there has been this idea in the world that it's a bad thing to be non-Jewish. And so there have been some people who, thinking it's a bad thing to be non-Jewish, they think, well then, either they become anti-Semitic and they get angry at the Jews, and that's one reaction, or they decide that they're they're going to pretend to be Jews and they're pretending and they don't really find who they really are and in order for people to find who they really are they have to what is my place in the world and so this is basically you know um, coming to that understanding is what Rabbi Avenir is giving and then I'm teaching a Torah class on Monday nights and it's very, very important as we go through the cycle of learning Torah. This is also important for us because learning Torah, like I said, it lifts us up. It, sh- it teaches us who we are. It changes our perspective of Hashem, of the world, and of ourselves. And this is a path to healing. And when we can see that all Torah learning is the path to healing, I mean, it's a big leap for us. It's very revolutionary. And this is what I'm hoping that we can, um, we can accomplish, that we can find as, as we learn Torah together, as you learn Torah from the different levels, as you learn Torah from the different teachers, that you can see it from this perspective, that it's all about... Rectification. It's all about bringing order to the chaos of the world and to our of the or and into our lives, and that is, in a nutshell, the idea of Jewish healing. Now, a question was asked about um, prayers. In the Torah, we have some very interesting stories about. Um, healing. Now, sometimes you would you kind of get the idea because of your former lives and my former life that there's 
the stories of healing aren't quite so strong in the Torah because you don't see anybody going out and, and touching somebody in their well or not that much. You do a little bit, but not that much. But the stories that we do have, the prayers that we do have from the Torah are the basic the, they're the foundation of how healing works and even though it might not be quite so obvious that this is the basis of how healing works it, it is and if we can come into that and we can study it we can learn it and we can learn each one and how it fits in and how it was used in biblical times how the prophets understood it we obviously know that the prophets understood about healing. I mean, Isaiah understood about healing when he healed Hezekiah. Um, the prophet Elisha understood about healing when Naaman came from Assyria, a little leper, came from Assyria and he got a healing from the prophet Elisha. And so there is healing in the Torah. But the, but the place that we really understand about it from is the story about Moshe Rabbeinu the prayers that are the foundation that we learn about healing from the methods that we really get our you know beginning from and all of our foundational learning about healing from comes from Moshe Rabbeinu I mean he pleaded for the people of Israel when Hashem was going to destroy all the people of Israel it was Moshe's pleading that saved the people and this is a healing he pleaded for Miriam when she was stricken with leprosy that she would be healed and this is a very powerful although very short prayer and so and then when the people were bitten by serpents what did he do we know this is a symbol now of medical of the medical community is the serpent on the staff the serpent on the staff of Moshe it's a very powerful thing and we, we can look into these things and we can understand how these things work then it can stimulate our own thinking and our own thought processes and our own souls to teach us what Hashem is telling us about healing how we can connect with his will and draw this healing down into the world into our lives and into the lives of other people and for all of the world together and ideally like I said when we bring healing down into the world in the proper way what are we doing we are effecting the tikkun the repair the damage and a lot of you are in Rabbi Bach's class so you can understand this language that we're affecting a repair of the damage in the body of Adam and that's the ultimate because we are participating therefore in the coming of the redemption of the unfolding of redemption in the world this is healing now I'm going to be using as a text you see the title on the whiteboard here the wings of the sun and this book is I think that Ray may be able to get the book into the 
Noahide Nation store so that you can have the opportunity of buying it. And I really, really do encourage you to buy this book. And as we go through the series of classes, I'm going to bring other books that um, I'll take information from and I'll tell you about those books. And I encourage you as much as you can to get those books and build your library and do read them and not just to read them one time but to use them as, as, a, as a resource. Um, I think I saw somebody raise their hand. Did somebody raise their hand? Do you want to raise your hand again? Do you want to say something? Okay. So the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about, I don't know if you're familiar with who Rebbe Nachman of Breslov was. So this is one of the things I want to start with. Rebbe Nachman was a very um, important uh, person in the Hasidic movement. So just one moment. And he taught the people in his movement about um, about healing. He taught them about faith. He taught them about joy. And one of the things that he was known to say is the basic cause of illness is unhappiness and the great healer is joy. So this is one of the things that he was always teaching. The greatest mitzvah is to always be happy. And it goes right along with what um, King Solomon said. You know, about spelling. Um, Rebbe Nachman, I will spell his name. This is his name, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. Now, he lived from 1772 to 1810. He was an outstanding sage, mystic, and Hasidic teacher. He didn't live very long, but he taught the most incredible things. That's right. I did teach a class at one time. I was teaching about the stories that he told that were uh, parables. And one of those stories is actually in this book. And it's the story from the um, stories that I taught that time about the seven beggars. And the one that is in this book is the beggar that um, do not have hands. And this is the story about healing. <clears throat> now he's also in his teachings because he was a tremendous um, Torah scholar as well. He brings um, lessons from 
the Ram Baum, who was a, um, a great teacher, and he was also a doctor. And so he brings lessons from the Ram Baum, and he also brings lessons from um, the Baal Shimto, who was a healer. He was not a medical doctor, but he was a healer. And so it's very interesting the uh, the way that he pulled together different things. And in fact, there was a book of remedies that was known that um, Rebbe Nachman had brought. There was a book of remedies during the time of Hezekiah. And this book of remedies had... Uh, a cure for everything known. And then Rebbe Nachman also came and he had a book of remedies similar to that. But he realized that if there was this cure for everything known, that people would possibly miss out on a lesson that the illness was trying to teach them. They would only be looking for a physical solution. An illness is not supposed to just be teaching us a physical lesson that we're not supposed to. I know that it's difficult when you're hurting, when you're ill, to um, be thinking of something higher sometimes. But there's the temptation if there is a book that has a, a cure for every single thing that people would be tempted to just focus on the physical. And therefore these books that were written with all of these um, cures were at, were hidden away. I don't know if they were actually destroyed or if they were hidden away. Now, the, um, the book of Rebbe Nachman was called All of Dead, I believe. name of that book I had it overall Rebbe Nachman was very very uh, critical of doctors and so there's an idea that possibly he was only critical of the doctors of his time but if you know anything about modern medicine you could even say that maybe not maybe not just of his time because sometimes modern medicine can be really detrimental. And a lot of times you get the idea that sometimes people don't really understand what they're, the doctors don't understand what they're telling you. For instance, when I was, I had cancer, and when I was going through radiation therapy, the doctor said to me, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat. Well, we know that's not true. And I don't know why he would say such a thing, but that's what he said to me. Maybe he thought that it was um, just too much that I was going through already to have to think about worrying over um, being careful about what I ate. I don't know. It would be easier just to be 
having a good time and eating chocolate but I would rather at that time I was thinking no I want to I want to get well and I don't want to go through this again so it mattered to me what I ate aha it is the Olive Bet book Now, there's no evidence that Rebbe Nachman ever went about as a healer. Now, um, the Baal Shem Tov did, but there's no evidence that Rebbe Nachman did. But from his early years, he collected remedies of all kinds. By the time he was in his early 30s, he had assembled an entire file of material. This was originally part of his Olivet book, a collection of brief aphorisms in which he presented the distilled wisdom of the Torah on all topics from dreams memory and music to children money eating clothing and many other things Rebbe Nachman began compiling the Olivet book in his youth in order to direct and encourage himself in his spiritual quest but he kept its existence a secret until his, after his arrival in Breslau in 1802 he then began dictating the work to Reb Nosen at inter at intervals until the transcription was finally completed in 1805. Rebbe Nachman didn't ever write any of his own teachings. He had like a scribe and his name was Reb Nosen. The chapter on healing was an exception. Rebbe Nachman never revealed its contents. Reb Nosen tells us that the Rebbe said he had as many as 200 pages of material on healing. This could well be more than the length of the entire Olivet book as we have it today. The chapter on healing that we have contains only four items, whereas some of the other chapters in the book have well over a hundred, and the chapter on the tzaddik has over two hundred. Rabbi Nosen, in his biographical portrait of Rabbi Nachman the tzaddik, says, on the subject of healing and medicine, the Rebbe said that the chapter on healing in the Olivet book originally contained all the cures in the world. There was not a single illness whose cure was not included, but he did not want this copied, and he burned it. Like so many aspects of Rebbe Nachman's life, this book of remedies remains shrouded in mystery. We have no information about whatever about the kind of remedies it contained. We know that on occasion, Rebbe Nachman prescribed herbal remedies such as an antidote to seasickness that was prepared by steeping a bitter herb known as polin in boiled wine. This was actually used by certain Breslov Hasidim in later generations when traveling at sea. But we have no way of knowing if it is an example of the kind of remedies that were contained in the burned chapter on healing from the Olivet book. It seems unlikely that the few items on healing that Rebbe Nachman did give over to Reb Nosen are in any way representative of the material he destroyed. The first item in the chapter on healing, as we have it, is typical of many throughout the Olivet book that state very concisely an idea that is explored at length in one or another of the discourses in Lukate Moharan. 
Know that each herb has a unique power to heal a particular illness. Now this is along the lines of what I was saying earlier about the vibrations of each plant. But all this is only for the person who has failed to guard his faith and morality and has not been careful to avoid transgressing the prohibition against despising other people. Now this is um, told to us in a vote or the, uh, of our fathers, the wisdoms of our fathers, the uh, ethics of our fathers. 4.3 But when someone has perfect faith, guards himself morally, and lives by the principle of not looking down on anyone at all, his healing does not depend on the specific herbs that have the power to cure his illness. He can be healed through any food and any drink, as it is written, and he will bless your bread and your water and remove sickness from you. And this is the blessing um, after the people came out of Egypt. That is in um, Exodus 23:25. Such a person does not have to wait until a specific remedy for his illness is available. Now that's in the Olivet book on healing. Here we have the essence of the healing pathway that Rebbe Nachman taught in the last years of his life. These few lines are a concise statement of ideas that are explained in depth in five pages of intricate text in his discourse. And he has this in his... Um, and several volumes of Likutei Moharan. The other three items in the chapter on healing in the Alphabet book as we have it are through deep contemplation of the mystical secrets of the Torah one can bring barren women to give birth and cure severe illness. So we can contemplate the mystical secrets of the Torah and this is what the tzaddikim do when they um, give a blessing to a person. They'll concentrate on the mystical secrets of the Torah. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means later. Salty foods are harmful for tzara'at or leprosy. The remedy for which is living waters. And so where do we get that idea? We get that idea from... I don't know about the salty foods, but the remedy being living waters, we get from the story of Elisha telling Naaman to go down to the Jordan and dip in the water. And so there is this idea. Gazing at an etrog, which is a citron fruit uh, taken as one of the four species on the festival of Sukkot, is a remedy for eye pain. Now I know that some of these ideas we you would think about it and you go, oh, this is just bizarre. It just sounds, in our modern world, we would think that this just sounds uh, wild. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to us because we're used to going to the doctor and getting a pill or a shot and like that. Now, after I talk about Rebbe Nachman, you know, in the course of time we're going to be talking about some of the people who did healing in Jewish circles. We find a few more items on healing scattered in some of the other chapters of the Olivet book. Unlike the remedy for seasickness, none of them could be called herbal. 
eating small fish for fertility and avoiding um, garlic and onions during, during pregnancy and nursing are dietary recommendations, while using feathers by those with lung disease could possibly be regarded as a physical remedy. But all the other remedies are in the realm of segulot. A segula is a strategy or practice designed to bring about a desired effect, in this case physical healing, though it may not be susceptible to any rational explanation. It's a mystery. It operates on a plane beyond nature. The surviving teachings on healing in the Aleph Bet book are a tiny fraction of the original material. Why did Rebbe Nachman decide to destroy all the rest, especially if, as he said, it contained all the cures in the world? Was it because he feared that people lacking true faith would try out the remedies, and if they saw no results, they would blame the remedies and despise Torah wisdom, while if they were healed, it would encourage them to apply these remedies mechanically, without faith that God is the healer? This was the reason Rebbe Nachman's burning of his early teachings on healing is similar to Hezekiah's concealment of the Book of Remedies. And we'll look at that a little bit later. Hezekiah did not want people to rely on the particular means through which healing is channeled, but rather to turn to God in faith, prayer, and shuva. And this is the fact, the essence, of Rebbe Nachman's healing pathway as expressed in his later teachings that he left for posterity by putting away his own book of remedies. So this was, Rebbe Nachman was a very, very brilliant teacher. And um, and this is kind of out of order, but I just wanted to get a feeling of who Rebbe Nachman was. He was a very, very brilliant teacher, and his main things that he taught was building up people's faith, that anybody could have faith, that you didn't have to be um, a Torah giant to have faith, that anyone could have faith, and that we express our faith and we grow in our faith through building up our joy to always be happy so does anyone have a comment so far about this um, what we're doing here now what I want us to do is I do want questions I want you if you have a question about Oh, thank you, Amy. If you have a question that is that you're wondering about, some play, something that you want to learn about, I want you to participate because I want this to be your class. I want us to have an understanding, a clear, conscious understanding of how learning Torah and how building up our souls is bringing us to healing, and not only healing for ourselves, but healing for other people and healing for the world. Part of this class, part of what I want to do is I'll talk about methods that people use for healing. Some of the methods that are used that I am familiar with a little bit. And, well, I'll just 
I'll give you an example. Um, there are many people who practice a method called Reiki. It is a an energy healing. And this is even practiced, it is practiced also in Israel by some people. Uh, it is something that originated in the East. And quite frankly, I don't know a lot about um, Reiki itself. I don't really know a lot about the symbols that are used. But it was being practiced in Israel by uh, a certain woman that I know. And when she went to pray for um, somebody who was in a coma, she did not get any kind of results. She did not get any kind of reaction from her. And so she went to a Kabbalist to ask him about what was the matter, what had happened, why didn't she get any kind of reaction here. And he asked her what symbols she was using. And so she showed him the symbols she was using. And the symbols, he said, were symbols of idolatry. And don't ask me what they are, because I am not familiar with it. Enough. I don't know what the symbols are. But she showed him the symbols, and he said they, were, they had idolatrous um, connections. So, what did he do? He didn't throw the whole thing out. He didn't say, stop doing it. What he did was, he gave her certain prayers from the Torah, from the Psalms, certain things for her to concentrate on and then to teach other people and it was the same kind of practice it was still energy healing but it was made kosher and so this is something that we can talk about how this is done how you can you can take something that was familiar like that maybe some of you are familiar with Reiki um, and how you can take that and instead of concentrating on those other things, you can concentrate, you can meditate, you can focus on kosher things. You can focus on prayers of the Torah, on songs, on letters of Hashem's name. You can focus on these things and that will make it kosher. It will be bringing down... You're going to be praising Hashem in doing this. You are bringing praise to Hashem's name. And that's really a very important thing. That we should be doing whatever we do. Whatever prayers we pray. Whatever we're asking. We should be doing it in a way that brings glory and honor to Hashem. And if we're doing it in some other way. You know, it, it gets a little dicey there. There are people in the world... You know there are ways that we can affect, we can affect, um, get the effect we want. We can we can get what we want without evoking Hashem, we, without turning to Hashem. But this is not a good practice, and so that's what I'm hoping that we can come to get you know learn together is also methods it's just it is theory but it's also practice methods in which we can do things in a kosher way and by doing them in that way we are affecting our part of bringing redemption into the world of healing those things that are broken putting them back together and affecting this in the world now sometimes 
um, like for instance, I'm going to go. I'm going to give you another example. Right now, there is um, there is an idea that is gaining a lot of popularity, and this is the idea of the law of attraction. It's been on Oprah Winfrey. You know, it's been talked about around. It's it's really gaining a lot of fame. The law of attraction, and it goes like this. I get up in the morning and I'll decide how I want my day to look. And I will, in my imagination, I'm going to go through my day and I'm going to play it out the way I want it to be. And then it's going to be that way. Sometimes people can actually make it be that way. Well, this is not a prayer. This is saying, I don't want sorrows and pain in my life. I want things to go well. I want the good life. I want the good things. And there are times when sorrow and pain are necessary in our life to bring us to an understanding of an area where we are failing. An understanding of something that we need to fix. Maybe we need to do shuba. We have a sin in our lives that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's not that, but maybe it's just something that needs a little adjustment. And those things in our lives get our attention. Maybe it's a message that our soul wants to give to us. And a sorrow, whatever way it manifests, is a way that um, it can get our attention. And so, and it brings us to even um, deeper faith in Hashem at times. When we go through those sorrows, we go through the valley of tears. And we say, He collects my tears and stores each one in a bottle. That He knows my sorrow. We come to an understanding of how His compassion is such that we never go through those things alone. And He brings us through it and He raises us up. And this is very important for our soul's growth. But if we decide, well, I don't want those things. I want to have a good life. I want to always have things, happy things happen to me. Well, that's there's nothing wrong with having nice things happen to you. There's nothing wrong with having the good life. But it's better to have a life in which we want the best of what Hashem wants us to have. We want the lessons that He wants us to learn. And sometimes, the only way we're able to learn them because of where we are in our lives, in our spiritual growth, is through sorrow. And there, are, and when we come through that sorrow, there are times where we could actually say, thank, thank you to Hashem that we did go through that and that He brought us through that because now we know him better than we did before. So there's merit in that kind of acceptance, in that kind of faith in Hashem that fosters a deeper love for him and a more serious walk with him in this world. We can look at everything in life and we can have an acceptance of those things that happen to us like that. That is very healing. 
and that's the the essence of what happens to us. I mean, if we're going to say that you know um, every person has to be raised up and healed, or you didn't have faith, or every person nobody would die. I mean, that's that's very immature. There are times when people die. There are times when people get sick. There are times when people get injured. But we know within our faith that these times we're not alone. And that he goes through it with us. And that's part of the mentality that takes us to the healing. To take us into a joy of our, like, like David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So, I'm, I'm hoping that we can overcome some of the attitudes that were from our former lives and um, in which we were told that um, if you didn't get well that there was something wrong with you. If you didn't get well instantly, if it didn't look exactly the way you wanted it to look, that there was something wrong with you. And there's so much more so much bigger than that so that's what I hope that we're all going to come to in these future weeks as we go into the lessons of Rabbi Nachman we go into lessons of other sages of Israel and um, and what the Torah is going to teach us about the prayers for healing so does anyone have any comments about the journey we're getting ready to go on together you know it all sounds fascinating and everything and uh, but I was wondering it, will this uh, touch on how we as Noahides uh, pray for and, and deal with maybe family members or others who uh, uh, are still involved in idolatry such as you know Christianity and, and our family members and, and people like that whom we wish to pray for or with or guide um, yes um, in the healing practice that I have done I prayed for all kinds of people and I have prayed for um, my pets and so you know it is we live in this world it was created by Hashem we live in this world with a lot of a lot of other people a lot of different kinds of people and with a lot of different kinds of creatures and so when we recognize that we have an obligation and an opportunity to make a difference I mean I'm not talking about being preachy and, and bashing anybody over the head here but I'm talking about um praying for them, having compassion on them, having love for them. I mean, it's like, it's not, you have to believe what I believe or you're damned. You know, it, it's not like that. Um, it's free of that kind of mentality. It's not with all of these strings attached. Because one of the things that we have to understand is, each person is on a path. Each person has a purpose for his life. And we're having enough trouble working on ourselves. 
and we're not really in a position to really see somebody else's soul. I mean, we can't even see our own. But to see somebody else's soul in the way that Hashem sees that soul. I want to tell you a real a story real quick. Um, I was in Israel, and there was a woman I worked with whose husband was, he was crippled. And he was having a particularly hard time with back pain, and he was on crutches. He didn't always walk on crutches, but at this time, he was on crutches. Um, so she asked me, I mean, she was a little skeptical, but she was like to the end of herself. So she asked me if I could do that thing that I do, is the way she put it. And so I said, okay. And I was skeptical because I thought it was still some of my old thinking. I thought, well, there's no way anything's going to happen with him because he doesn't have any faith and on and on and on I went. But I'll go through the motions. So I, I did the preliminary prayers and all of a sudden I got the most strong message that I had judged this man. And I did not see him the way Hashem saw him. And I had to repent. So I repented on the spot. I mean, don't put that off. And all of a sudden, I felt a surge of energy go through my body. And I went over and I put my hands up to his back. And it wasn't very long, like a minute maybe. And he shot up. And he said, the pain is gone. And I mean, I started laughing. I do not really share with them what had happened with me before that happened. But he was meant to get a healing. Now, he was not somebody who fit the category of, you know, he was a religious person. He had a lot of faith. You know, all these other things. He didn't fit any of those parameters. But yet something happened there. And something also happened to me. And this is something that we have to understand. That when we pray for another person, we're connecting with that person. We're connecting with him on a soul level. And there's no formula for this. You have to be surrendered and open to what's going to come. What's going to happen. And you have, it, it really, it's amazing how it brings you to a place of compassion. It brings you to a place of loving that person in a way you never did before. In a way you never thought of before. Because it opens your understanding of how Hashem loves that person. And this is something that is so beautiful about it. And I've prayed for people who weren't Jewish, who weren't Noahides, who, you know, didn't believe like I did. And I've seen things happen to them, not just physically. So it's very, very powerful when you pray the prayers in the proper way. And you bring down praise of Hashem, your glory glorifying his name in the world in such a way and it's not demanding it's not like like in our old life we saw this happen it's not 
speaking out this is the way it's going to be and that's how it has to be it's being surrendered it's being open to I want to connect with the will of Hashem and be a channel of this into the world whatever it looks like we cannot be attached to the outcome whatever this is going to look like Baruch Hashem I want to be a channel of this and you'll be surprised things have happened in these kind of prayers that you just go I didn't I could never even imagine that before I began and that's what it's all about to be open to be a channel of his will in the world and this is really connecting back because as he said his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts so this is the ultimate to be that surrendered and to be that accepting of what he is going to do in the world and what his will is in the world and then to be a part of that this is something that will help us to grow closer to him and closer to every person and we see just like what Rabbi Bax is talking about in the body of Adam how we're all connected and you feel that you start to feel that connection and this is healing and yes Russell it includes those people who don't believe the way we do absolutely it includes those family members that we worry about that they're off on some kind of a whatever it includes all of that drawing them not in a manipulative way mind you but drawing them in a, in a truly compassionate way does that answer the question and Dina was asking how long the class is going to go on and it's going to be um, uh, each session will be one hour it's going to end at uh, 9 o'clock central time and the classes are going to go on indefinitely because I can see good good I'm glad I can see that it's going to be something that will just go on and on we'll see so um, Rabbi Bax should be in the classroom in a little while and I see that we've got quite a few people here and um, I saw one of the pictures that he was um, playing with on the whiteboard and it uh, it fits in with basically what I was saying but I hope that you're going to be able to see how all of these things all of the classes everything that we're learning just all flows together and takes us on this on this journey that is healing So I'm glad that you're all here and you're going to be ready for Rabbi Back's class following mine. I'm going to turn the recording off now.